welcome to episode two of Everything Left, the podcast where we take a look at the news, current events, and discuss the stories that everyone needs to know about. Joining me again for the second episode, we have Han. Hello. And Addy. Hi. Welcome back, guys. I have to stop doing the hello. (laughs) (laughs) It's to affirm your Britishness. Oh, is that what it is? I think it's just because I panic. So what's the next topic, I'll host that. Yes, we've got topics, haven't we? Oh, it's such a such a light episode. We've got so many nice things to talk about. Shall we talk about the horrible things happening in the UK at the minute with racism? There's been a significant rise in hate crime in the last few months. Did you see the wonderful new UKIP offshoot? There's an offshoot of UKIP. There's an offshoot of UKIP, which is, I think it's called... Oh, I really don't want to put this on my search bar, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically the the resurgence of Mary Whitehouse and her ilk. But it's basically, it's it's a side of UKIP that's called something like UKIP Shield. And it's all about we're a Christian country and we should get back to our ancient laws and tradition of Christianity. And it's basically like taking shit from the Crusades. They want to become Catholic again? I, I don't, no, I, I mean like it's taking um, symbols from the crusade, like the shield with the with the cross on it and, and shit like that. It's just more bullshit. So is this just a group of UKIP people who found UKIP to be too tolerant and loving, so started their own group? Probably. Oh. I agree with the fact that maybe a lady from a lake should elect your next leader. Muscular defense of our Christian heritage and our Christian constitution. I don't know what I you... Can't, uh, I can't actually find it, unfortunately. I don't know what you guys think about this, but one thing that I seem to have seen is that there's definitely an increase in these kind of things, and the level of things that are going on, it just seems to be getting worse. Let's just lay the cards on the table. Is this, a, uh, is this a result of Brexit? Is this the country thinking it's okay to go out and be horrible to people who they see as not British, even if, if they've been born in this country? Coming from that point of view, do you think? Or is there something else that spurred this on? I think that it's well documented that when fear is stirred up people drift to the right that people see violence and protection as a response to fear and i think that brexit did an awful lot to stir up a lot of fear among uneducated people in this country not to mention the fact that people like britain first and other right-wing groups um i mean this is the downside of social media and downside of the the internet that you can get yourself into a bubble that only confirms your point of view and if that a very negative point of view then you can find people to feed that fear and feed that hate then it becomes only a short distance shouting about it on the internet to actually feeling so impotent and so rage-filled that you feel like your only course of action is violence against somebody who you perceive as other or not normal or not British or whatever delusion they have in their head that makes it seem right that they can attack another human being without provocation. I, I don't know if you guys have seen this, Hannah, you probably have. Addy, it's a fairly local story to, to me and Hannah, so I don't know if you've seen this. A man kicked a woman oh, in the stomach yes. and killed her unborn baby because she wasn't white. Has he actually, because I know he was caught, did he give any justification or reasons? I think not, uh, not, not that there are any right any justifications or reasons, but I'm I always think interested. His justification would be, I felt like it. Yeah, probably. And I don't like other people. And the internet told me that it would be a good idea, and it was actually fine to do because they're not really people, are they? Are you talking about the internet or politicians or 
Him specifically? Uh, I'm just talking about the whole kind of being in a bubble that conforms to your point of view, and there are so many hate groups now that, you know, who would have cheered this guy on. Yeah, but I think one of the, the main reasons we saw, saw an uprising after Brexit is because it supposedly got this entire concept of being allowed because you've supposedly left the foreigners. You're no longer part of European community, which is bullshit because you kind of still have to trade with people in the European community. Wow. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just reading a story. Hate crimes in July 2016 were 60% higher than July 2015. So yeah, so a- that's exactly what I mean. It's the fact that supposedly after Brexit is people got justification for their hate crimes because we agreed that we're no longer part of this group, of the European group. We do not have to hold back anymore because now this is our country, we can take it back. And the fact that a lot of people who, quite frankly, are disgusting get time in public view like you guys have that weird buck goblin person UKIP leader oh Nigel Farage I was gonna say you have to narrow it down buck goblin person <laughs> yeah that's why it's UKIP. <laughs> the UK that's a that's a sweeping description Addy <laughs> how many goblins do you guys have oh no, about, about 40% yeah no wonder people want to leave you guys <laughs> There was a phrase that was used around the time of the campaign for Brexit from the people who wanted to remain, where people said not everyone who's voting leave is a racist, but every racist is voting leave. I'm not saying everyone who voted leave, that was it, 52% of the UK population are anti-Europe, that they're racist, that they, they may have actually thought it would benefit us. But for those people who are in that group, who are coming from it from a don't like foreign people point of view, they've just seen 52% of the population of the UK agree with them. Mm. So it's like, well, that's more than half. So yeah, it's okay to go out and paint swastikas on temples and kick pregnant women in the stomach and tell people who are born in this country to go back home because their skin is darker than mine. No, that's that's actually a very good point, that the Brexit vote gave the people a comfort in thinking it was probably the 48% of non-white people that voted to leave and every right-minded person wants them out, therefore, you know, it's given them just a further justification. Mm. That's a really good point. Yeah, and even where I am, I, I live just down the road from Leicester, which is one of the more multicultural cities in the UK, especially in, in the area me and Hannah from and even there the amount of hate crime that, that's gone up like you know, my partner works at the University of Leicester and said that there's people have come along and started writing really horrific anti-Muslim stuff at the uni and it's just astounding how quickly it seemed to descend into people feeling that they had free reign and luckily I have not experienced anything like this myself I've not seen it myself but it seems to be every day now that there's new reports like Hannah you, you yourself brought up the bias yeah that one yeah in um, Edinburgh so it's not England but it's still part of the UK still part of the whole same mindset even though Scotland voted much greater than the rest of the UK to stay in the EU it's still happening even up there you know they tried to set fire to a mosque from the sound of it they were absolutely terrible at it because they (laughs) burnt the door and set fire to a bush but at the same time it's still it's still a hate crime that it's still escalating I I don't know where this is going to go where it's going to end like how bad is this going to get here's something really uplifting and wonderful that I just read on the 
Independent, criticising Theresa May's record as Home Secretary and her endorsement of advertising bans telling illegal immigrants go home or face arrest. The authors of post-referendum racism and xenophobia say, if a hostile environment is embedded politically, it can't be a surprise that it takes root culturally. Singling the May out as one of those who helped create such a hostile environment, the report recalls that in 2012, Theresa May, the then Home Secretary, used a newspaper interview to declare, the aim is to create here in Britain a really hostile environment for illegal migration. The report says, this was brought to fruition in July 2013 when the Home Office deployed mobile ad vans in six London boroughs telling people to go home or face arrest. Around a quarter of the incidents recorded in our database specifically used the words go home or leave. It is not unreasonable to see the Vote Leave campaign with its central focus on immigration as a continuation of this politically mainstream hostile stance towards immigration and xeno-racist narrative. What a lovely, lovely person Theresa May is. Yeah, no, no, she's not. That was sarcasm for all those playing along at home. Well, she, she's even, to connect to one of our there are other stories we were going to talk about with Theresa May is she, she's turned around and attacked the idea of safe spaces um, which I know is a, a hot topic for many people the idea of somehow safe spaces are destroying free speech which it's preposterous because opinions that gay people are paedophiles or people of different ethnicities are criminals or you know those kind of opinions they're not an opposing viewpoint they are just wrong but apparently trying to stop that is is evil and people should be allowed to come to universities and places of learning and and spout all that stuff and if you want to stop that you are oppressive and destroying the fabric of society and that's the kind of, and that's the view that Theresa May seems to have she she thinks that safe space and spaces is silencing important viewpoints Freedom of speech is a fundamental British value, which is undermined by so-called safe spaces in our universities, where a sense of righteous entitlement by a minority of students uh, that means that their wish not to be offended shuts down debate. As students around the country return to their places of learning at the start of this new academic year, does my right honourable friend agree? that university is precisely the place for lively debate and that fear of being offended must not trump freedom of speech. Well, I, I absolutely agree with my honourable friend. We want our universities not just to be places of learning, but to be places where uh, there can be open debate, which is challenged, and people can, uh, can get involved in that. And I think everybody is finding this concept of safe spaces quite extraordinary, uh, frankly. We want to see that uh, innovation of thought taking place in our universities. That's how we develop as a, as a country, as a society, and as an economy, and I absolutely agree with my honourable friend. The point is that people use the concept of uh, free speech as an agreement or they're allowed to say hate. And then it's like, it's my free speech. And it's like, actually, technically and legally, it's not under the free speech because that's called to violence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So fuck off. And, and the other thing is, as well, people are like, well, it's my right to say that. It's like, okay, yes, you can say that. But we also have the right to turn around and hold you to account for what you have said. Having the right to say it does not give you a magic Super Mario style. You don't get to call someone a horrific thing and then walk away untouched. You should get held accountable for that because free speech also lets the people who would oppose your opinion have their opinion. And I would never take away the right to free speech in certain arenas, but 
where I work, we have a social media policy. And if somebody was espousing hate or intolerance or cruelty to violence or anything like that on social media, they would actually be disciplined for it in their workplace because my work understands that we deal with cross-section of people culturally, socially. And if somebody holds that view in private, then that's going to affect their job. And it seems a shame that those sorts of rights... And I think that things like Michelle Rodriguez saying, oh, it's not that deep, it's fine. I think that completely misses point that the media informs so many people's opinions on the world and this is going way off topic and I do apologize but it's just an example I had a, a stand-up row about Fifty Shades of Grey because I was saying it is, it's a horrible book it's, it's anti-feminist it gives a really really bad lesson to young women and she turned around and went oh you're making too much of it it's just a bit of entertainment and I'm like no you're completely missing the point because entertainment is just as powerful a message sender as politics and news and in fact a lot of people who get so disengaged from newspapers or actually news outlets do get their information and do form their opinions from mass media from entertainment and people just don't seem to understand the impact the impact of that and the impact of these newspapers I'm part of the stop funding hate group because they're trying to get there's a um, I don't know if you know this Addy there's um, a number of quite right wing newspapers in in the UK and this group stop funding hate is boycotting the advertisers in those newspapers saying if you stopped advertising in those newspapers they would lose money and we want them to lose money because they're espousing hate and therefore we're not going to use your products whilst you still advertise with them because by advertising with them you're you're agreeing with them you're agreeing with their point of view um, and I think that can be a, a very power because you know unfortunately money talks I've gone off topic I'm sorry because before we strictly stayed on the top I know I know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so when when I was in in university, we actually had several courses on the concept of the importance of of media because my my actual degree is in media studies and I narrowed down to film and TV. And then one of the things we learned is that people researched the concept of what is called the waves of impact. So the first wave, people thought media has exploded so it's a hundred percent impact and then it went down to about 20 percent meaning people are actually smarter than what they seem so they're not as impacted and today we rose to the third wave which is 95 percent impact because people are immersed in so much media today and we gained so much information from media and that's exactly the issue is that people constantly use that excuse of it's just a book it's just a movie it's just a tv show and as a person who knows the industry from the inside i can tell you that's bullshit there's no just about it because it may be just a book but that book could have killed someone saved someone's lives put someone in an abusive relationship or it could destroy an entire family you don't know the point is everything we put out into the world big or small impacts at least one person's life and I have a friend which I've talked with Amy about she's the one I'm bringing in November and she actually does know the uh, community from the inside and we talked about what Fifty Shades of Grey did and she said Fifty Shades of Grey is abuse plain and simple. She signs a contract when she's inebriated, he stalks her, he manipulates her, he controls her life. Even outside of the community, this is not a healthy relationship. Claiming this is part of the BDSM community? 
that's just ruining the community itself because oh yeah absolutely but they never... have rules and they have laws and mm -hmm. they have ways of protecting people's health and yep. safety mm -hmm. and everyone i know in the community was completely against you know as soon as it became famous because so many people in the community are already stereotyped as deviant or perverted and then all of a sudden this book is advertised as oh you know it's a little bit naughty it's a little bit saucy and ooh, and then it just gave such a negative harmful disrespectful wrong portrayal of a smart safe supportive community it's just another way which has distorted quote-unquote normal people's views of something that they don't know anything about and the only and if that's the only source of information they get they're going to continue to, to be misinformed about it now the point is that a lot of people in the community and it's regarding a lot of a lot of issues when it comes to media they claim that the person who created this piece of media did not do the research which i don't know if she did her research they didn't it was it was originally written as twilight fan fiction by a very young woman who had no fucking idea how to write how to write <laughs> or anything about apparently she also TV. had no idea how to have sex because that's no. what i gathered from that book i, I haven't I, I will hold my hands up and say i haven't read it i um, haven't read that book i'm just quoting friends of mine because they're like I, how the fuck does he do half the things he he does. I, I'm gonna have to hold my hands up in a minute just out of morbid curiosity. I had to mm -hmm. force myself through the first book and I say oh, force yeah, myself because no, no, it... it was oh god it was a slog because I, I try to read most things that are popular just see why and mm -hmm. understand because you know like you were saying Andy, you know these things they do change society you know they inform people's opinions so have a look at what's hot because it will have an effect but this this book was just Oh God, it is awful. But the, you know, you saw, I remember at the time when it came out, there was one supermarket chain in England and it was all over social media. They did this display where it was copies of Fifty Shades of Grey and then batteries. Ugh. And the whole thing was, women are going to masturbate to this book. Hee 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 hee, aren't we sexual? But they positive? can't, because there's no and good it's like, porn and in it's, it. No, I know of so many fabulously written, truthful, sex positive books that are written better, that are honest about the kink community. I mean, I've got loads of friends who are kinky writers um, who were trying to get books published. And it's like, no, you. this is the one that became famous. And it's, and it's just such a, ne it's such a negative mm. when you actually have the opportunity to, to create a dialogue, a really interesting dialogue about feminine sexuality and turn us into a more sex positive country and you know and okay so you know women are, are finally coming out and saying oh yes you know I do masturbate and that's a good thing but you're masturbating to shit I'm sorry <laughs> it's like allegedly I've never committed murder and yet allegedly I'm a bit worried about that I can neither confirm nor deny it's like I, I've never committed murder as much as anyone in this spot knows and i can write a better murder story than she can write a sex story mm -hmm. but can that murder actually be a documentary because i'd really love to push a few people under a bus um i would rather not i'm a pacifist and i i don't know i didn't say i'd I push you under a bus nor you you will push anyone under a bus no but still i don't i don't believe in taking life i think it's okay to wish that people weren't born yeah but then we wouldn't know how shits they were but if you want to kill somebody, surely you want to kill somebody to make the world a better place, right? You don't believe in murder, but you believe in the Terminator method of preventing them from being born. So if if Hannah had a time machine that would send her back in time naked, she would use that every chance she got. It's the butterfly effect, because if that person wasn't born, they wouldn't have done the terrible thing. 
who yes, would have benefited bad. from their terrible act and would have known how shits they were. So, killing someone as a baby is pointless. It's like saying, I'm going to go back in time and kill baby Hitler. Don't do that, because people are still going to be racist and anti-Semitic in that time. The Jewish country would have started, and lots of lives wouldn't have been saved right now. So, the concept of, I would rather people not be born, is against the point. I mean, there is the argument that if you went back to before Hitler was born and made his mother sterile, then yes, it wasn't just Hitler. It was the climate at the time and the feeling of the people. And we don't know from this point if Hitler hadn't been born, whether it wouldn't have been somebody else who was in his place. I've just talked myself out of my own point. I, I, was, I was saying it purely from a kind of like, I don't believe in capital punishment. I would never wish anyone harm. I don't honestly believe that anybody is irredeemably evil. That's beyond the point. It doesn't matter if the person is irredeemably evil. The point is, the person has done an evil deed that hurt a lot of people. Yeah. So, and so, they, should... de so they deserve to die for that. It depends how evil was the deed. Let's say Hitler did deserve to die. He did kill 15 million people. He did. Now let's see today's <laughs> dictators. Let's say Putin. His name is hilarious to say. <laughs> let's say Putin. Dictator, obviously. Bad man, pretty agreed upon. Deserves to die? I can't say yes. Destroy her. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's. I don't believe that any... I... I it's not a practical viewpoint, and I completely understand that the viewpoint I have is based more on just my, my own personal experiences, because I don't think it's enough to say Putin deserves to die. I, I think in order to make that judgment on somebody, you would have to be okay with or prepared to pull the trigger yourself. You don't know my ability to murder. No, no, that's true. I don't. But I know personally that if I had a stone-cold opportunity to shoot Vladimir Putin in the face, I could not do it. Because in a way, when it comes to sheer numbers, then it's incomparable. But to take one human life should be comparable to taking millions. Yeah, I, I could not do it. I could not, I could not take another human life. And therefore, I, I feel personally that I cannot condemn somebody to die because I would not myself be prepared to do it. And I'm not saying that that's a rational viewpoint at all. Okay, fine, so you're not the executioner. But I also believe that violence only ever begets violence. But the point is, we do need to find out how to address it. Yes. So you'd think it would be better for a person, more beneficial, to be locked up for 50 years. Again, you see, it's the difference between practical and emotional. Because practically incarceration without rehabilitation doesn't work practically from from a monetary point of view executing somebody is much cheaper for the average taxpayer than incarcerating somebody for 50 years but from an emotional point of view if i believe in the worth of humanity and i am a humanist if i believe that all people have the capacity for love the capacity for kindness the capacity for joy you have to attempt to rehabilitate you can't just end someone's life 
because once you start making that arbitrary decision that somebody has done something that you define as evil and you end their life without knowing anything, and again, I'm not defending Putin or Hitler or anybody like this, without understanding the motivation behind that, because you can then start looking at people with mental illness or looking at people with learning disabilities, and it's a slope that starts with good intentions and ends with people being killed for more arbitrary reasons, I feel. So this is a very morbid topic. Yeah, are you okay? Yeah, I... I just, <laughs> Do you have an opinion on it? No, I'm not going to weigh in on this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I was just um, listening to two opposing sides and seeing where you both went with that. It was uh, interesting. I think that's the definition of discussion. See, that's the difference between people who actually listen to each other than people who just do it to get their opinion heard because yeah. we actually talk. And no one yelled. I've just been watching Battlestar Galactica, and there's a line that the president says to the person who's going to take over as president, and she says to him, I worry about you because sometimes you're so, you're, you're always so intent on doing what's right, you don't always do what's smart. And, and that resonates with me because I completely know that my whole my whole philosophy about wanting to always think that there is good in everybody and that people deserve to have that brought out of them is not rational, it's not practical. It comes from, some might even call it naivete, but from just like my, my optimism and my, in a more extended way, the belief that if we want to evolve as species into the kind, loving, generous, all-inclusive society that I know in my heart we can become, at some point we have to draw a line and say, these are bad things, no matter what reasoning we are giving for them. And to me, murder is murder of anybody is a bad thing. Whether you can justify that execution as being for the good of the masses, I think in order to fully to evolve as human beings and evolve as fully compassionate beings, at some point we will just have to make the choice that we cannot make that decision. But the, the point is, is where do you draw the line? At what point do you as a person think this person has gone too far? I mean, that's another question. And everyone goes back to Hitler, and you could kind of put that as a pretty cold example. Is that where we draw the line? I mean, I know in America, in the states that still have capital punishment, they have a number of people that if you kill, say, five people, that's fine, you get life imprisonment. If you kill ten people or anything above ten, then you get put to death. And somebody has made that decision. Somebody has decided your life is equal to X number of other people's lives. And again, from a practical point of view, I totally understand that people feel the need to make those decisions. But I'm very glad that I'm not in a position where I do have to make those decisions because I would honestly struggle with it. And I can't answer the question of where, where to draw the line because I don't know. And I think as well, I'm also a benefit of my own privileged existence. You know, I was born quite middle class in a country that for the most part is genuinely quite liberal, although it's, there's much more of a split now than there was maybe 10 years ago. And I've never had to face much trauma or hardship or people attempting to oppress me or, or anything like that. So I know that I come from that point of view. And if I did have personal experience with that, I think maybe my personal reactions would be very different because I'm talking from a very kind of la 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 everyone should be fantastic kind of point of view. To weigh in slightly on this and I'm not taking a side it's just I think with this kind of situation as well it's depending on who you are where you're from your beliefs 
everyone has a way of justifying everything. So whether it's this person has killed 10 people, so therefore they should have their own life taken, to there are countries where it's like, well, we don't like the fact that you love someone of the same gender to us, that's abhorrent, so we should take your life. I think anyone listening to this will be on the same page as us of, you know, there are certain things that are evil, but to those people who commit those evil acts, they are not evil. It's like they say in fiction, the villain is the hero of his own piece, and it's that way in real life, you know. We, as enlightened people, will turn around and say ISIS are a horrific organisation, they do these horrible things, but to them, they're doing good. They're stopping the rest of the world doing these horrible mm-hmm. things. It's There is never going to be a right or a wrong in this because it depends on your point of view, your politics, your beliefs. It's, mm-hmm. again, to go back to like how, how this conversation started, it's like, look at the people who are going out telling foreign people leave this country or attacking women wearing religious headdresses or trying to set fire to buildings that worship a different god to them that's the right thing to do because it's threatening their world their existence there's no definitive answer of what is good what is bad who should be punished who shouldn't and at what point because that's why the world's in this situation because everyone has a different opinion on it yeah i i that's sort of why i feel that at some point in order to evolve away from all this everybody in the world has to come to the consensus that nobody can uh, nobody can take anybody else's life but no matter what the justification is and it's never going to happen because nobody's ever going to agree it but to me that's the only way everybody in the world says we no longer take human life period good luck with that one yeah yeah, I know, I know, it's naive, it's optimistic, it's never gonna happen. To be honest, I never said that I agree with the concept of killing someone for killing someone. I said that people we view as evil, people we've proven are not good, should pay, and that we should take what bad things they did and learn from them and not cancel out the bad they did because then we lose the opportunity to learn from it. That's a, that's a good mm. things, yeah. Because that's that's exactly what I said. I said that that's why I disagree. So with that, that's why you think baby Hitler. Baby Hitler because obviously, if we take away the variable, then the question is, what will happen next? And the point is, what if we insert someone else? What if we insert in someone worse, someone smarter, someone who actually succeeded? Would have happened if we just took out Hitler from the equation? No, it wouldn't. It's a simplified solution to an incredibly complex problem, because Hitler did not do what he did in a vacuum by any stretch of the imagination. And I also am a a very firm believer on a personal level that bad experiences can have very positive benefits. And to have the simple solution of, well, let's just cancel this person from history is ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm arguing anymore. (laughs) I think at this point... I I think at this point we've... We've had a long discussion. I think it's down to the to the listeners to decide how they see this one. There's never going to be an agreement, but every side in this has has valid points. Absolutely. It's um yeah, and we went a lot deeper than I thought we would. Um. <laughs> and it's very interesting as well because I think that sorry, I'm I'm not pigeonholing you, Addy, and if I'm wrong, then please feel free to shoot to not shoot me down, shout me down. <laughs> But. You heard her. She gave me permission. I'm allowed to use violence. Yeah, and and it's and it's recorded, Hannah, as well. That's the thing. It's score to be on a on a left wing podcast and actually have a discussion of that nature as well is pretty cool. I think surprise. That's uh, that's what we're trying to do. 
hopefully hopefully people have still listened to this point as well if, to the to the uh, one person who has stayed to the end thank you thank you <laughs> i want to make another point because i i haven't talked enough obviously and that's that another thing that fear and reactionary things actually do is they help to dehumanize other people yes and that is a such a strong contributor to violence against other people is that there are places where people are dehumanized to the extent where the people perpetuating the violence don't see you know when you, you hear about people abusing children and things it's like you cannot see that child as an actual human being otherwise you would not do that yeah it's it's like people slut shaming or or victim blaming when it comes to rape you don't see that woman or that man or that person as an actual human being because you view them as an object that needs mm -hmm. to be hidden otherwise the other person wouldn't have done it it's not that person's fault it's no. your fault so that's exactly the point that's that's the point that a group of people gain supposed moral superiority over a different group of people and just goes at it mm. and if you speak to people who have done you know basic training in the army or whatever it is a, a part of that to switch off parts of your humanity to enable you to murder another human being because if you truly did see them as another human being you would find it impossible impossible to do absolutely yeah which yeah. is look at historically in in the military they have horrific terms for the enemies like the word they used for the vietnamese army during vietnam the uh, g word mm -hmm. you know that was to dehumanize and they weren't people they were things and yeah. it, it becomes a lot easier for militaries to do that when it's people of a different nationality as well when there there's a physical differences but it's it's something that happens in in all walks like all victims are you know there has to be something different about them there they are other yeah that's something that's used as a shield so many times like one that is used so so often nowadays is trans panic i killed them because i found out they were this thing that i didn't expect so I protected myself by killing them. And it's their fault because they should have been up front about yeah. it. If we bring up our biggest example from the discussion, World War Two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The entire concept of why so many people agreed to be part of the National Socialistic Party was because the propaganda that compared Jews to rats yeah. Yeah. and black people to subhumans. Mm -hmm. They are not like us. We are strong. We are powerful. We are the uber race so we must save the world and destroy them that's exactly the point that's the point that people keep making they are they we are we we must destroy them because otherwise the world will be contaminated yeah the only way to protect ourselves is to destroy them so i think the but it's okay to destroy them because they're not really people they're not like us yeah but i think the only way to actually unite the world which is huge long shot is to find a global common enemy aliens I was thinking more, <laughs> more domestic. You were thinking more, sorry. So, something more domestic, like something we... Spiders. <laughs> no, spiders actually help the environment. Yeah. Maybe mosquitoes. No, yeah. no, spiders... I, I'm sorry, controversial view. They're not animals, they're monsters. <laughs> <laughs> wow, stop de-arachnifying spiders. <laughs> <laughs> And that, that one listener who carried on to the end has now gone because he's got a million pet spiders and yeah. I've just ruined everything. We've blown it. <laughs> oh, you've blown it. Yeah. 
Yeah, there is never going to be. I can't think of anything that would that would. It, it, you know, I was I was being flippant when I no, said that aliens, would do it. That would but, do it. But aliens would actually probably unite a larger proportion of the human race. You know, even if they were benevolent, we'd probably be scared yeah, of them. Yeah, but even that, I think it'd probably be the aliens are coming to enslave us. But you know, they're giving the Tories a load of money, so it's all good. You know, someone somewhere would be on board with it because they'd get something out of it. Oh yeah, they'll always be um, collaborators. Yeah. Trump, Trump, Trump. Trump is an alien. Yeah. Don't insult he, aliens. Trump is totally Sorry, the best I... alien. Um, ask any alien. You know, he, he's got all the best alien I, stuff. He's, um, he's better at being an alien than any other yeah, alien. Yeah. He's, he's got, got great alien language. Yeah. He's got the best. He's got the biggest penis of any alien and the biggest hands. No, see, alien. being an alien would explain his weird little fetus hands. And his sentiment here. Yeah, maybe it's like the brain slugs on Futurama. Brain. Maybe it's brain toupees. Maybe it's like the opposite of Samson. <laughs> We just need to shave Trump. No, that would be the same as Samson. That would be the same as Samson. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, okay I will try and There's edit that a... to make you sound better, Hannah, but no promises. <laughs> There's, okay. There's a book called Animorphs where aliens control people. Yes, earworms. Uh, mind through yurks, which are tiny grey worms that crawl into your brain through your ear. That's Trump. He is the first sign of the Yurk invasion. Makes sense. I buy it. The Yurks are so right wing. They want to control everything. They don't care how they'll do it. You don't know. Maybe Theresa May and Boris Johnson are Yurks as well. Does that mean that I can go and stick a drill in their brain? Purely for scientific reasons? I thought we agreed that she's the one that's against murder. Oh no, I'd, I, I wouldn't be doing it to kill them. If they died, it would be a side effect rather than the, the uh, intent. You're talking causation versus correlation. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm aware that my argument is incredibly flimsy. <laughs> Have you seen the video that John Cena has done? The one about common community in the US? Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's awesome. It's really, really good. He's basically he's walking down the street and he's talking about patriotism and he's saying that patriotism isn't pride in a country, it's love of your country. And if you picture the average American person, it's not who you think it is. And then he kind of breaks it down. Patriotism. There's a word thrown around a lot. It inspires passionate debate and is worn like a badge of honor and with good reason. Because it means love and devotion for one's country. Love. For a word designed to unite, it can also be pretty divisive. You see, there's more to patriotism than flag seeking with onesies and rodeos and quadruple cheeseburgers. Patriotism is love for a country, not just pride in it. But what really makes up this country of ours? What is it we love? It's more than just a huge rock full of animals like cougars and eagles, right? It's the people. Do me a favor. Close your eyes for a second. I want to try something else. Picture the average U.S. citizen. Think about it. How old are they? What's their hair like? How much can they bench? You got one? Okay. So chances are the person you're picturing right now looks a little different than the real average American. There are 319 million U.S. citizens. 51% are female. So first off, the average American is a woman. Cool, huh? Is that what you pictured? 54 million are Latino. 40 million senior citizens. 27 million are disabled. 18 million are Asian. That's more people in the U.S. than play football and baseball combined. 9 million are lesbian, gay, bi, transgender. More than the entire amount of people that live in the state of Virginia. Around 10 million are redhead, 5.1 million play ultimate frisbee, and 3.5 million are Muslim. 
triple the number of people currently serving in the United States military. Almost half the country belongs to minority groups. People who are lesbian, African-American, and bi, and transgender, and Native American, and proud of it. We know that labels don't devalue us, they help define us, keeping us dialed into our cultures and our beliefs and who we are as Americans. After all, what's more American than freedom to celebrate the things that make us, us? I mean, it's stitched into the stars and stripes of this country, from the Constitution to Gettysburg, to our motto, E Pluribus Unum, from many, one. It's even in our country's name, the United States. This year, patriotism shouldn't just be about pride of country. It should be about love, love beyond age, disability, sexuality, race, religion, and any other labels. Because the second any of us judge people based on those labels, we're not really being patriotic, are we? So let's try this one more time. Close your eyes. Picture the average Joe or Joan or Juan or Jean-Luc. The real people will make America, America. And this year, whenever you feel the urge to don those star-spangled shorts, set off fireworks the size of my biceps to show love for our country, remember that to love America is to love all Americans. Because love has no labels. Yeah, it's, it's a really powerful, good video. Mm. I really like John Cena. He seems like a genuinely good person. Mm, he does. Did you know that he holds the record for the biggest amount of people who accepted wishes from the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's oh, done the most really out cool. of any celebrity, hasn't he? That's awesome. Thank you for joining us for episode two, where we had a quite in-depth and at times a little worrying discussion about time travel murder babies and right and wrong and think it somehow started on brexit but who knows hopefully you'll be able to join us again for another episode addy han hopefully you'll be able to join us as well Absolutely. so thank you very much everyone for listening and we'll see you again in the future bye bye i don't believe in taking life i think it's okay to wish that people weren't born you don't believe in murder but you believe in the terminator method of preventing them from being born